welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Rapsodo. Rapsodo, the industry leader in baseball player development technology, has a special offer on their hitting and pitching 2.0 units. Go to rapsodo.com backslash savings and get up to $1,000 off. Trusted by the best in baseball, Rapsodo is used by all 30 MLB teams, 100% of Division I champions since 2010, and 100% of the top 100 prospects in this year's MLB draft. And 100% of the top 100 prospects in this year's MLB draft. Scott Brown, Vanderbilt's pitching coach and associate head coach, had this to say about Rapsodo. Everyone involved in teaching pitchers this day and age could benefit from owning Rapsodo and using it for immediate feedback to educate their pitchers. Again, save up to $1,000 when you decide to train and build champions with Rapsodo. Visit rapsodo.com backslash savings and take advantage of this great offer. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. This week on the ABCA podcast, we sit down with ABCA Division II Assistant Coach of the Year, Bob Mitcheltree. The 2022 season marked Coach Mitcheltree's 20th year overall as an assistant coach on Jeff Messer's Slippery Rock staff. Slippery Rock had one of their most successful seasons, going 33-18 and 18, and competed in the NCAA tournament. Coach Mitcheltree has also been an assistant for Wilmington High School's football program for over 40 years. He's helped the Greyhounds to state championships and several state runner-up honors, as well as a multitude of WPIAL and District 10 titles. His goal is to make it 50 years coaching baseball and football. Coach Mitcheltree played collegiately at Youngstown State University, and he scouted professionally for the St. Louis Cardinals, New York Mets, and San Diego Padres. His success has already been recognized with inductions into the Lawrence County Sports Hall of Fame in 2004 and the North County Baseball League Hall of Fame in 2011. Let's welcome Coach Mitchell Tree to the podcast. Here with Bob Mitchell Tree, ABCA Division II Assistant Coach of the Year, Slippery Rock. Uh, I think heading into twentieth season at Slippery Rock, but forty plus years in the coaching profession and twenty five year continuous member of the ABCA. So, Bob, thanks for jumping on with me. Uh, thank you for having me. Did I get that right? Twenty years at Slippery Rock. Yeah, this season will be number twenty. Okay, awesome. Tell your SID thank you because that's where I get the info off. So, it's good I'll when do they, that. it's good when they have it up to date. 
I mean, what does this mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. Uh, you know, um, it's kind of a tribute to all assistant coaches that, uh, you know, you can be recognized. And, uh, you know, I, I really feel humbled by receiving the award. What has the Messer family meant to you? Uh, I kind of feel like I'm part of their family. Uh, you know, Jeff, uh, Billy, uh, I feel honored to be able to coach with a head coach who's won over a thousand games. He's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in January. Uh, Billy's associate head coach, and uh, we just have a lot of fun. We try to win a lot of games and have a lot of fun in the process. And you were there for a little bit, and then you took a little bit of a break. What took you away from Slippery Rock? Well, I, <clears throat> I was a teacher. I'm retired now, and uh, I took a break because I went back to the high school to kind of build up my retirement. And then as soon as I, I retired uh, from high school, then I, I came back to Slipper Rock. Smart man. <laughs> I mean, how many years did you have to get in to, to be able to retire? Uh, I taught 37 years. How is the how are the benefits in Pennsylvania? Uh, they're pretty good. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there with it. You know, you guys had a great spring. Um, saw that you used 14 arms this spring, which, you know, that probably about average for most college teams. But how were you able to keep all those guys healthy this spring? Uh, it was, it's, it's always tough. You know, I, I'm not the pitching coach. You know, I work with the catchers. But, uh, uh, you know, we had some guys that, you know, had a few problems. But, uh, you know, we managed to, you know, get the job done and win 33 games. How many catchers did you guys use this rotate through this spring? Uh, this spring right now, we have four. Yep. Is that average for you guys? Yeah, pretty much. Three, four, five, you know. And then every once in a while, you, you have a catcher that's also, you know, plays another position. Yeah. You know, and it looked like Ricky Maneo, Ethan Edkins, looked like they had quite a few starts for you guys, but then you also use those guys in relief appearance a couple times, you know. Yeah. What allowed you guys, I mean, when you're mapping that out for those guys, they are starters. When did you use those guys in relief? Uh, usually like in the playoffs um, because you go from seven games all season to nine, you know, nine innings, uh, from seven innings to nine innings. So usually it's in that scenario there. Man, you had a three-to-one strikeout ratio almost. I mean, what, what do you attribute that to with your pitching staff? Uh, a good catcher calling pitches. So you let your catchers call the game? Yeah. Yeah. We did last year. Yeah. We had a really, really good catcher, uh, Connor Hamilton. Uh, he was, he was a real stud and, uh, you know, he had a good baseball mind. So, uh, you know, he called the pitches, but it, it varies, varies on who the catcher is. Yeah. What year was he? Uh, a senior. He was a senior. Yeah. Yeah. He graduated. You got young guys catching this year. Yeah, we uh, we have a transfer that came in from Old Dominion, and uh, he looks to be in the in the forefront right now. And yet, uh, and we have another catcher who I believe is a senior, and then we have a couple younger guys. When you're talking about pitch calling with these guys, you know, what are kind of the main points when you're going through pitch calling with your catchers? Uh, just having a feel for the game, and uh, you know, knowing what pitches that day are working the best and uh, just kind of keeping a mental notebook, you know, on the hitters and, uh, you know, just kind of assuming that you're at the plate, what would you be expecting? 
and you may try to go the opposite way. You guys let pitchers shake off? Yeah, yeah, they're allowed to shake. Yeah, which yeah. I think it's the best way to, to do that for guys, to give them ownership. Right. Some guys don't want that, though. I mean, that, that that's a feel thing, too, with your guys, is like who, who, who actually wants that responsibility, and maybe sometimes guys do want that, and that's an experience thing, too, as they get older, but sometimes guys don't want that responsibility. Yeah, right. And there's some pitching coaches that don't allow them to shake. <laughs> yes. See, see all kinds of it. And that's a little bit of an ego thing too. Um, you know, you, you talk to different guys, they have, there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think that's the unique thing with baseball is that we do have successful programs that let their pitchers and catchers run it. And then we have really successful programs where the pitching coach calls every pitch. So it really is what's best for your program. Right. No, didn't give up a lot of stolen bases. Thirty-two of forty stolen bases. What do you attribute that to? A senior catcher having a good arm. Yeah, he had a he had a really good arm. Plus, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, holding the runners. You know, we work hard on the pitchers. You know, holding runners. When are they? When are they working on holding runners? Uh, you know, during practice. You know, we uh, have a segment where you know we work on uh, pitchers holding runners and. Catchers throwing. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> How are you handling the fall? You've coached football for 40-plus years, and, and you're getting ready to go to Slippery Rocks practice. So how are you handling that? Well, I'm getting up there. I'm 74 years old. It's not real easy anymore, but uh, uh, on Tuesday and Thursdays, I come to Slippery Rock, and I work with the catchers, and then I hurry home. I live a half hour away. Hurry home, grab a sandwich, and I go to football practice. So uh, it's not every day of the week, but Tuesday and Thursdays are kind of rough. Yeah, you don't know any different now. You've been doing it forever. Yeah, it just it's routine. Yeah, you know, when I think of Pennsylvania football, I think about the movie All the Right Moves. Yeah, right. With Tom <laughs> Cruise. For anybody that hasn't seen it, the the young coaches listening probably don't even know what that movie is. But Randall Cunningham was was the quarterback in that movie. Um, but great movie um, about pennsylvania football basically and the steel mills yeah Stay, it's a good good storyline of pennsylvania itself and the blue collar mentality that the state of pennsylvania has yeah pennsylvania football is pretty good and uh we've been real successful where i coach uh we've won a state championship we've been a runner-up in the state i think four times won numerous district championships uh we're having a down year this year though we only have a couple seniors and right now we're three and three we have three tough games coming up, so you know we're down a little bit this year. How large is your high school? Uh, we're class double A. There's six classifications, and we're we're double A. I mean, what have you brought from the football side to the baseball side of coaching? Uh, probably organizational. You know, you have to be organized when you run your practices. Uh, uh, I don't know if I really brought a whole lot. Uh, a catcher's mentality is really kind of like a football player in a way, you know. Uh, I tell our catchers, we expect you to be like a quarterback running the show. And also, you're in the trenches blocking and everything. So it's kind of a combination of being a quarterback and a lineman. How are you handling blocking drills with your guys? Uh, we do a lot of different uh, things. Um, you know, a lot of coaches tell them to be a wall back there. I tell them, you don't want to be a wall. You want to be a pillow. Yeah. 
if you bounce a ball off a wall, <clears throat> it goes quite a ways. If you bounce it off a pill, it stays right there. So I think the key is, you know, to relax the best you can and try to be a pillow and not be all tensed up and stiff like a wall. Yeah, soft belly, correct? I mean, you correct. want them to soften up. Or you're absorbing the baseball, basically, round out the shoulders and try to absorb the ball as best you can. Exactly, yep. You know, try to get the ball to land as close to home plate as you can. Right. Anything else you're working on those guys with blocking and receiving that you like? Yeah, we do. Uh, uh, I have what I call a multi-ball uh, receiving drill. I have every ball you can think of in a five-gallon bucket. Uh, golf balls, tennis balls, you name it. Uh, even birdies for badminton. And, you know, I just keep firing them out at them and uh, for receiving. Uh, glove on or glove off with that? Glove off. Yeah. <clears throat> then we do uh, – they're not really frisbees. They're plastic disc-like with with a hole, and I throw them. It's, it's like a right-handed curveball and then a left-handed curveball. Uh, I even have a a rock that I use. It's real smooth, and I fire that in there so they have to stick it. And uh, I tell them if they happen to miss one, don't worry because it's a slippery rock. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, what do you feel like's changed with coaching over the years? Uh, I think a lot of kids anymore feel kind of entitled. Uh, uh, they just feel like you owe them uh, the opportunity to play. Uh, but I think overall, I think I really think it's changed that much. Um, you're probably not dealing with it as much, though, with Pennsylvania kids. I mean, your roster is, what, 90% Pennsylvania kids, isn't it, just looking through it? Yeah, we have, we have quite a few kids from Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, I coached at James Madison for four years from 99 to 03, and we had some really good players from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania kids remind me of Midwest kids. It's the same same type of mentality, blue-collar mentality. You knew they were going to show up and work every day. It was fun to, fun to coach kids like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, working with the catchers here, I mean, they have a really good work ethic. Uh, do, do whatever you ask them to do and uh, – it's really a lot of fun working with them. So when you get back from winter break, you guys are inside, correct? Correct. Yep. So how are you handling indoor practices with your guys? Uh, we kind of work in shifts because our indoor place isn't real big. Uh, it's kind of like different shifts when guys come in. Uh, most of the catchers work then is catching bullpens, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. How do you know if their legs are ready when they get back? Uh, you can tell right away by their facial expressions when they're doing things. You know, what are you having those guys do arms-wise, your catchers throwing over the break to get ready for the season? Well, Billy sets up, a, Billy Messer sets up a program, <clears throat> excuse me, for the pitchers and the hitters, for everyone. Um probably aren't doing a whole lot of throwing. I mean, there's something to be said about resting your arm too. Who do you feel like's had the most impact on you as an assistant? Um, <clears throat> probably, probably Jeff Messer. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, Jeff's a class act, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he's the kind of coach where if you win or lose, you're still going to go eat. Okay. I mean, he, he, he's the same if you win a big game or if you happen to lose a game, you know, that temperament. Uh, I think that's a common theme with our ABCA Hall of Famers. 
I really do. It seems like those guys have all been pretty even keeled with how they've handled their players. When you look at just, I've done so many of those interviews now with the ABC Hall of Fame guys that just seems like that's a common theme with, with those better coaches that they can stay even keeled no matter what's going on. Yeah. If I had a catcher throw three in a row out in center field, he's not going to jump over me about it. You know what I mean? Uh, Did you? he He doesn't put blame on anybody, you know? Did you know you were going to coach coming out of Youngstown State? Yeah, my my goal was to be an elementary school teacher and to be a head baseball coach and to be a assistant football coach. And it just worked out that way. Right off the bat, I got a job and I was uh, elementary school teacher, uh, assistant football coach and head baseball coach. So everything worked just like I had planned. Uh, I never really wanted to be a head football coach. Uh, but I did want to be a head baseball coach. And I was fortunate enough in uh, 1981, uh, our team won the state championship in Pennsylvania. So how did Jeff get you to Slippery Rock then? Well, I was coaching in the summer over in Youngstown, Ohio, in a league. And Jeff would uh, come to a lot of the games to scout players. And we uh, made a relationship there. And then uh, he kept wanting me to come be, well, then I worked at his summer baseball camp and he, he wanted me to be the pitching coach at that time. And uh, then uh, he even took me to Florida on some trips and I wasn't even coaching yet. And then uh, eventually I, I started coaching, coaching a super rock. Did it take much convincing for you to do it? Not a whole lot. <laughs> no. And those Florida it, trips will do it. Yeah. And once you get around the college guys, it's like, okay, this is fun. Yeah. My oldest son was playing high school where I was coaching and I didn't want to, I wanted to see him through also. How was it coaching your son? Uh, <clears throat> has his ups and downs. Uh, I coached him in football too. He, he was a first team all state tight end in football. And, uh, then I have a younger son that played also. And, uh, it was tougher coaching my younger son than my older son, but, you know, there's good times and there's times that maybe aren't so good, you know. What are your football responsibilities coaching-wise? <clears throat> I coach wide receivers, uh, help with defensive ends, and have a lot to do with the special teams. So you get a little hand in everything there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what sticks out, uh, you know, I know it's a newer generation of kids, but we still have competitive kids. What do you What do you think sticks out about competitive kids now? Um. That's a tough question. Uh, I don't really know how to. Can you rephrase that somehow? I mean, are you seeing? Are, are you still seeing? I know it's changed a lot, but are you seeing? Are you seeing differences now with kids? I mean, from a competitive standpoint, but I, I mean, we still have kids competing. It's just maybe different now. Yeah, what I'm seeing is uh, less and less kids are coming out for football. Uh, we have a uh, probably the lowest number ever in my 46 years of coaching and uh there's just a lot of other sports now in the fall that the kids are playing and uh i think a lot of it has to do parents are concerned about concussions but uh, our numbers every year now have been dropping and uh you know right now we have several kids injured and we do have long practices too and and high school football has become a year-round commitment anymore i mean it's not just uh you know, we play our season and then we have a couple of weeks off winter weightlifting 
And then in the spring, if you're not playing uh, baseball or track, you, you continue to lift and you have summer workouts. And I, I don't think a lot of kids don't want to put that kind of time in. Yep. It's a huge commitment. You said it was tougher coaching your second one. What, what was harder about coaching your second one than your first one? Well, my second son, to be honest with you, didn't have the ability yep. that my oldest son had. And people would, you know, kind of compare the two. And there was a lot of pressure on him because his 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 older brother was, well, like I said, first team all state, uh, made every all-star team that there was. And uh, uh, his temperament uh, wasn't the best in the world either, you know. Matter of fact, there was, an, there was another assistant coach who kind of took care of him you know, so I didn't have to deal with it, but, uh, and he'd, he'd get frustrated. Like if he would fumble or, or something and, you know, it's always, yeah, you want the second one to be better. Don't you? Like if, if you could map it out, you want the second one to be better than the first one. Don't you? Yeah. He was always living in his older brother's shadows and people expected him to be like his brother. And he, I mean, he worked hard and tried, but he just didn't have the ability that his older brother had, you know, for, for maybe a youth, parent that's going through it for the first time having to coach their kid what are some tips for for the parents right now having to deal with coaching their kid uh the best thing is to have another coach yes step in you know any you know when there's some type of a problem and kind of keep you out of it you know because it's tough you know because uh at, at practice you know you're you're his coach but at home, you're his dad. And it's hard it's to easy, separate. It's easy for a dad to separate it. But yeah. for a kid, like if you jump on him at practice, yeah. you know, you got to go home and eat dinner. And yeah. you know, he's probably not going to talk to you too much. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so who was your favorite coach then growing up? Uh, you know, my high school football coach is really the reason why I, I wanted to become a coach. Uh, I played when the program first started and my three years of varsity, we won 24 games in a row and my head coach, uh, it was tough back in those days. You know I mean? There was no messing around and, but I, because of him, his influence, that's why I really wanted to become a coach. And, uh, he's in a nursing home right now. And I go see him, you know, once a week, religiously, I go, I go see him and uh, he still, he still mentors me to this day as far as, as far as coaching goes. What are some of his tips to you? Uh, he thinks we practice way too long for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we just talk about, you know, because he was, he was the head football coach at Wilmington. Then he went to Westminster college and, uh, he won three or four national championships there. And we just talked mainly about how the, how the game has changed, uh, how kids have changed, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Did he nudge you to go to Youngstown then? Pardon me? Was he the one that nudged you to go to Youngstown to go to school? No, uh, I, uh, I was fortunate to get uh, a scholarship there for baseball. And uh, they just started baseball my senior year in high school. So I could only play one year of high school baseball, but uh, uh, no, he didn't really influence me to go to, go to Youngstown State. So, so what did you do before senior year of high school then for baseball? Well, I played uh, uh, American Legion baseball. I played Pony League, Little League. But uh, 
couldn't play high school in my senior year. So how'd Youngstown see you then? They see you in Legion ball? No, I just uh, basically, you know, tried out, tried out for the team and then uh, eventually got some, got some scholarship money. You know, if you could go back and tell your 25 year old coaching self something, what would you tell? Uh, I would tell him that, uh, you know, if you keep working hard and if you keep, uh, keep at it and, uh, I've had some health issues, uh, lately and, uh, kind of fighting that a little bit, but if you just persevere, you know, good things will happen. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now was one of the best things that happened to you? Uh, I really can't think of anything. Uh, uh, I did take a couple years off of football, uh, and got right back into it. I, I mean, my whole life's been baseball, football. I don't know any other way. Uh, my goal is to go 50 years of each and I've got four more years to go That's and awesome. I'll have, I don't know how many coaches have coached two sports for 50 years. And I have a, uh, a grandson who's in eighth grade, uh, they had a game yesterday. He, he had three touchdowns in that game. Uh, I hope there can't to be too him. many guys that have coached their grandkids. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to do some digging on that. I can't imagine there's been that many guys that have been able, have been fortunate enough to coach their grandkids. Yeah, the nice thing is when I reach 50 years, it'll be his senior year. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go back to the high school after this year and coach baseball so I can see him play. And, I, you know, I might as well help coach the team. You know, it's the same school that we won the state championship at. So it's going to work out pretty neat. Uh, I'll have 50 years of both in and he'll he'll be graduating. Then I'm going to retire. That's beautiful. What type of health stuff are you going through right now? Uh, cancer. Cancer. You yeah. getting through treatments? Uh not, not recently. I've had radiation five different times. Uh, every four months I go and get a bone scan, CAT scan, and, you know, hopefully it stays contained. It, it has spread a couple times, but. Where's uh, it at? Well, it started in my prostate uh, and it worked itself. I had, a, I had a tumor taken off my back. I have uh, rods and screws holding my back together. Um, so that's basically, you know, it's just, it's every four months, you just cross your fingers that when you get the scans done, that it's stayed contained and hasn't, hasn't spread anywhere. Yeah. Well, did they, is that just a general prostate exam? They caught it? Yeah, I was having some trouble when uh, I went and uh, they, they found I had cancer there and, uh, and then I, I had seeds implanted just trying to maintain, you know, they tell you anything to try to help, obviously, besides radiation, do they give you any tips as far as nutrition or anything else to try to help? Well, I get, uh, I take hormone pills and I get a hormone shot every so many months to try to keep the prostate from, you know, working real hard. You know, how have you been able to balance family then? I know your kids are older now, but how are you able to balance doing football, baseball and family well my wife's a gem uh to put a model uh you know i've coached with a lot of guys who coach a couple years and they quit and the main reason was because her wife uh not like you know 
wife was saying, you're not making much money. You're hardly making any money, putting all that time in, you know, so they end up quitting. My wife, uh, she's just the opposite. Uh, I always felt that any coach who gets an award for anything, his wife's name should be on there too. Yeah, because yeah, they make it work. You know, if, if you don't have the right one, it's really hard because they yeah. get pulled in a lot of different directions. So you need somebody that's that's going to be there and understands that's your calling too. You know, I know the monetary piece isn't there, but the the other parts of that are so gratifying that you can't put a price tag on on coaching. You just can't. And um, I think that's what gets lost in the shuffle now with this society of, of people now is they don't understand that you you reap rewards way beyond monetary value that that a lot of people don't get right yeah the relationships you develop with you know players is is really something else you know um in high school you get invited to uh graduation parties and at the college level you get invited to weddings you know it's pretty much it having a grandson did that change your life view at all uh, not really. Uh, I spent a lot of extra time with him, you know, doing football drills and baseball drills. Uh, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it really is, you know. I mean, what has the ABCA meant to you? Oh, it means a lot. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a great organization, great people. Uh, I've gone to numerous, uh, conventions, uh, learned a lot. Uh, I think, I think it's just absolutely great. When was your first convention? Oh boy. I can't remember exactly the year, but I, I think it was in Nashville. So my first one will be in Nashville and probably my last one will be in Nashville. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite convention story? Oh, uh, convention story. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, uh, it happened in Nashville, uh, because of my prostate problems, uh, running water makes me have to, have to go. Yeah. And in Nashville, there's all these big fountains and water. And, uh, one time Bill and I were heading to our room and had to go past all these fountains and, I uh, just barely, barely made it in the room. Do you have any presentations that have stuck out over the years that you've liked? Uh, probably Tom Griffin catching. Uh, I think he's really, really excellent. I think he's a top-notch catching instructor. Yeah, we have so many good catching instructors. They're, that, that side of the coaching industry has really pushed things forward. We have great, we have great catching instructors at, at every level of baseball now. It's, it's awesome. Right. What are some final thoughts? Something I should have asked you that I didn't. Uh, can't really think of anything. I got to get going here to practice here in a couple minutes. Uh, I just like to thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, anybody I've ever met affiliated with the ABCA is top notch quality people. Uh, I'd like to thank the ABCA for, for this award. I'm very humbled about it and, can't wait to get to Nashville. Yeah, it'll be All great right. to see you. So thanks so much for jumping on with me, Bob. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's refreshing to see someone who's dedicated their life as an assistant coach for over 40 years. I want to applaud Coach Mitchell Tree for his longevity as an assistant coach in baseball and football. 
Thanks again to John Litchfield, Jim Richardson, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter and TikTok, coachb underscore abca, Instagram, ryanbrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Set me free. You set me free.